I grew up in a forest where trees bleed scarlet instead of sugar. When it rains there, the grass dries up and sunshine drowns everything it touches. Nothing is ever as it should be, and rarely is anything what it seems. That's why I refused to believe him at first, why I found it so hard to trust his gentle hands and quiet words. It's why the first day I saw him, I tried to kill him. It was just like a thousand other days I'd known in the wood, a day of torrential sunshine that left me gasping for air. A day where happy thoughts lasted just long enough for me to bury them in the boneyard where they belonged. Because they weren't for me. Daddy told me so. And Daddy knew everything. The warming of the sun reminded me to take the medicine I kept in my pocket. I took out the bottle, put it to my lips, and drank the last drops of what Daddy gave me. The same he gave all of us every morning. Because a drop left unswallowed was a drop we'd feel like fire on our backside if he found it. As Daddy's medicine fell into my stomach, the sun turned wet, plastered my hair to my face, and stuck patched clothing tight to my skin. The sun burned my eyes and made me cough as it trickled into my mouth and ran down my throat. But as miserable as I was, the boy stood on the rock ledge by the river, dry as could be and smiling at the sun like a fool. I'd never seen anyone like him before. The only men I'd known were my daddy and brothers, rough and thick the lot of them with skin made of scars turned red by fevered lust. This boy, though, his face was smooth and calm, without the violent lines I thought everyone was made of. I had to touch him, to know what immaculate skin felt like. I had to ask him why he deserved to wear it when I did not. Before my feet took any steps at all, I stood before him and brushed his cheek with my hand. He wasn't surprised, as though he expected me. He took my wet, mud-brown hair in his fingers, and it became something new. Clean, dry, the color of poppies. I watched the blush run from his fingertips up every dirty, knotted strand until I could feel it seep into my face where it pooled warm behind my cheeks. His words were the kind I'd been taught all my life to distrust. Words that gave everything and asked for nothing in return. You're beautiful, he told me. I knew it wasn't true. I'd never known a moment of beauty. Not once had I ever even dared desire it. But I wanted to believe him. He stepped closer. Close enough I could taste his breath, foreign and sweet. And all at once, I saw what he saw, felt what he felt. I could hear his every thought as though they were my own. And then, and then he looked at me. He saw what never looked back in my reflection. He saw what I couldn't see, that which was buried beneath the dust, beneath the scars, beneath the miserable wretchedness that was me. I couldn't take it. I couldn't stand knowing that the answer to every prayer I'd never prayed stood in front of me. 
I knew he'd leave the moment I believed him, and then joy would be gone, quicker than it came. I knew that living in happiness for a single moment would make falling into the mud again fouler than I could bear. I knew it had to be done. I put my hands on him. I felt the fabric of his shirt, felt his collarbone, his heartbeat. I couldn't look at him, so I closed my eyes. And then Daddy was with me, under my skin, guiding my hands, telling him where to be, whispering to me that this boy wasn't anything but trouble. I pushed the boy and he stumbled back, just a half a step. The boy put his hand over mine. You know me, he said. I cried a little. Crying came as easy as breathing. You don't know him, Daddy whispered from my belly. He's strange. He was strange, and yet as familiar to me as my own kin. You know me, the boy said again. I thought he might be right, but then I never could remember much. Daddy's medicine wouldn't let me, and I liked it that way. I opened my eyes, but only looked at our hands, his on top of mine. When has a stranger fed you? Daddy asked me. When has one given you shelter? Never, Daddy, I said. Look at me, the boy said. I looked at him, and he was crying, too. Daughter, Daddy wouldn't a whisper anymore. He's strange. Daddy pushed harder inside my skin. My hands pushed harder against the boy's chest. The boy squeezed my fingers with gentlest gesture. I thought Daddy would bust right out of me then, would come through my fingertips and strangle that boy in front of me. Instead, it was me, pushing the boy with more strength than one person has any right to claim. The boy squeezed my hand again, less gentle than before, more urgent. I cried out like I'd been beat. I didn't want to get rid of him anymore. I wanted to keep him. But Daddy was intent. I pushed and I pushed until that boy fell into the river running quiet under our perch. No sooner was he gone than the color fell out of my hair and dropped into the water, rainbow rings blooming from every drop. Fire snaked its way down my chest and blood followed it, staining a crooked line down the center of my dress. I looked under the fabric and saw a new scar, the deepest I owned, ripped fresh across my skin. Daddy was gone. I told myself I was right to kill the boy, that if I hadn't, he surely would have killed me. But the ache, the fierce melancholy of his absence, it crushed the filthy skin I wore to my very bones. I fell to the ledge and reached down to the water, willing him to reach back. And I waited but he did not surface. I tried to call him as I often called the fish, with little ripples made by my fingertips. Still, I couldn't raise him. Please, 
I scratched out a desperate request. Come back to me. He did come back to me then, slowly, but his face remained turned away and his body still. I left that rock and jumped in after him. The water was hot and chilled me deep. I tumbled down through the thick dark of it until my toes sunk into the mud. When I looked up, he looked back at me, unseeing, unsmiling, and haloed by the sun. I pulled his arms through the water and put them around me, closed my eyes and put my cheek against his neck. I would have been happy to stay there forever, where it was warm and dark and far away from everything I knew. But my lungs, they demanded the air. With handfuls of his clothing, I dragged him to the prickly shore. His mouth hung open just enough for me to see what used to be his smile. I fell beside him and sat watching, waiting for him to breathe. I've killed you. My declaration, quiet as it was, bounced against the mountains, against the grass, against the indigo sky itself. I lay across him, my ear to his chest. Listen. I whispered, but there was nothing to hear. Won't you come back? I searched his features, looking for any twitch, any sign, any anything. I touched him again, my fingers hungry for the pulsing promise of life. I felt nothing but sickening stillness, so calm and so cold. It was like the rocks under my feet. I stood and walked to the water's edge, let the ripples pierce my toes. I watched my blood leach into the water, and I watched the fish come to feed on crimson waves. The sun, cold and wet as it ever had been, urged me farther. With one more indulgent look at the boy, I walked into what I hoped was to be my end. But before the water reached my neck, I heard a song that stopped me. A song quiet as a dream I could almost remember. Two old women stepped out of the dark of the forest, just as the sky clouded over and ended the rain. Hand in hand they walked toward the boy and sang again, quieter even than before. Thin white hair hovered about their heads like clouds, and their eyes burned and snapped. They knelt beside him, their song dropping to a hum, and then to a chant. One put her hand on his face and threw her head back, her eyes closed. The other picked up a small rounded stone from the dirt and placed it on his chest. I felt protective of him and raced from the water, my escape from this world forgotten. Leave him be, I said. They didn't look at me, but replied in unison, We must wake him. He won't wake, I said. He's dead. The one nearest me tugged my hand until I knelt beside her. She touched my face and smiled. 
She placed my hand on the stone, hers guiding mine in a circle over his chest, while they repeated their verse, one of them singing it, the other speaking the words as a prayer. The woman with her face turned to the sky, opened her eyes, and looked down on him. She stooped to breathe across his face and whispered, Amen. Wake, she told him. The cold left his cheeks and the color he had shared with me returned. Willardine, he said. I'd never heard my name before, but still I knew it belonged to me. I backed away, afraid that the life in him now was an illusion, that it was a bit of heaven or hell come early for me. I felt Daddy pulling me away, but my hair reached for the boy, craving the color and shine only his fingers could give. He sat up and smiled at me, and then turned to the old women. Who are you? he asked them. We're the grannies, one of them said. This forest used to be ours. The other leaned forward. Have you come to return it to us? I didn't mind to give, he said. Girl, a voice shouted from the thick of the forest. My hair was limp again, trembling around my shoulders and down my back. You best answer me. I scanned the trees but couldn't see him. Who is it? asked the boy. Daddy. I stepped toward the trees and the boy stood up to follow me. Stay here, I told him. He brushed away the remnants of the river from his clothes. I'm coming with you. No, the granny women said. One of them leaned on an old wooden staff what matched her hands. It in time, she explained. You have to stay here, I said. Promise me you will. Why? He'll kill you. It was what my daddy always did to things he didn't understand. I'm not afraid, the boy said. I am. I started to cry. He wiped away my tears and I felt new color fall onto my cheeks. I broke away and stepped back, afraid that his touch would linger on my skin and that he would demand to know where it came from. Come with us. The grannies each took one of his arms and pulled him away. Meet me here tomorrow, he told me. The voice in the trees boomed louder than before. Daddy was close. Fine. I didn't argue. There wasn't time for it. Daddy would break through the trees at any moment. Take this with you. The boy pulled a braided chain from beneath his collar and put it around my neck. It'll bring you back to me. I didn't stop to look at it or thank him. Daddy's moldy scent had found us and there was no time to waste. Goodbye, I told the boy. I thought forever. He held up his hand in farewell and when he did, he held up the sun. For time ceased to exist and the earth refused to spin. When he lowered his hand, the world sputtered to life again. The same dark world I'd always known it to be. As I ran toward the sound of my daddy's boots crashing through the underbrush, the birds laughed at me. The very idea that I could be important to someone as beautiful as the boy was absurd. 
so absurd that the creatures of the forest knew it as well as I did. The boy wouldn't be there tomorrow. Of that I had no doubt. I ran past the signs that welcomed visitors to Daddy's forest. Bright white letters painted on black wood. Judgment awaits, they said. Sinners will suffer. Hell is real. They were all true enough, and I didn't need to wait for eternity to know it. I could still feel the color the boy's fingers left on my cheeks, so I grabbed a handful of mud from beneath the dying leaves on the forest floor. I rubbed the sticky grit on my face and through my hair, disguising every inch of my brief escape from torment. Before I disappeared into the wood, I looked back on the other side of the river, craving to see what might have been mine in another life, a short glimpse into happiness that would carry me through the drudgery of living. But the boy wasn't there. I asked myself if he ever had been. A grip like fire jerked my wrist and my body followed it into the shadows. Daddy laughed at me. Well, it's an improvement anyway. He ran a scalding finger down my cheek and inspected the mud while he rubbed it with his thumb. At least I won't be forced to look at that god-awful blank face of yours. Nothing was beautiful to him unless it was covered in scars. I had only three to speak of, and I'd done my level best to forget how I'd attained them. Of course, now I had four. Daddy'd spend hours in front of the mirror at home, admiring the patchwork of his skin. He'd touch his scars one at a time and smile, remembering the conquests, thefts, and murders behind each. But just collecting his own scars wasn't enough. When he stopped the beating of a heart, he would collect its scars too, a skill unique to him alone. Each and every scar we earned hurt, but injected us with a heady, thick, frenzied moment of dizzying delight. I hadn't yet grown to depend on it as my brothers had. It made me feel too full, gluttonous and greedy. Like the time I'd found a jar of molasses in the ditch and drank the whole of it before anyone could take it away from me. The cost of it bit and burned more than I thought it was worth. Where you been? He wiped his muddy fingers on my sleeve. I fell asleep near the river. Lies came easy enough, though he seldom believed them. That morning he was too distracted to care. Put this on. He threw a coat at me made of bloody furs stitched together in haste. You smell. I hated hunting with him. He got more pleasure from it than anyone ever should. Antlers dangled from the sides of the hood he wore, and dried-out hooves clanged together with hollow whispers at his elbows. Rabbits with broken necks hung from his belt alongside birds with broken wings. Broken spirits filled his pockets. At least that day we'd only be hunting animals. He wore something entirely different when he hunted man. Sit there and don't move. He pointed behind a large tree covered in moss. The sun pushed clouds aside and pelted us with icy raindrops. Daddy was happy to let them run into his unblinking eyes. He pulled back his hood, silenced the hooves on his sleeves, and stooped low to the ground. His ears twitched with every sound the forest made. 
A twig snapped a few feet away, and a slow grin wrapped around Daddy's head, through his hair, and back to the other side. He disappeared into the ferns, flattening and disguising himself until he couldn't be found. He didn't move when the doe took tentative steps into the sun. He didn't move when she plucked a mouthful of grass in her teeth, or when she drank from the puddle at the base of a tree. The animal shook the rain from her coat and sent a pinwheel spray into the air. Daddy inched closer, moving slower than a flower reaches for the sun. When the doe began to groom herself, he sprang at her, his arm around her throat in seconds. Daddy rarely used weapons to kill, shunning gun and blade. He preferred to use his own hands so he could feel life leaving his prey. There was a flash of crimson wings as a red bird flew out of some nearby grass. A tiny fawn was hidden there, trembling, watching its mama being killed. Daddy clung to the animal, wrestling her to the ground, deaf to her bleating, blind to the frantic fear in her eyes. She found me among the leaves, held me captive with her stare, and made me promise I would take care of her baby. When she stopped fighting, Daddy fell on his heels and tilted his head back, delirious with death. He laughed at the sunshine until he was out of breath, then he raised his hands up to the sky and opened his mouth to receive the rain. But the drops stopped short of his lips. Every raindrop in the air froze where it was and then rose back up to the sky. When all of the drops and all of the puddles had receded out of existence, the sun changed. Warmth fell from it instead of rain. Daddy's sick smile withdrew. It melted into the cracks of his skin. And then he looked at me, as the boy had done. I could tell what he saw, too. He flew at me, his hands around my throat in seconds. He shook me hard, his top lip peeling back to reveal rotten teeth. What have you done, girl? 